Friday, and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly no-fluff data first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. This is Ariel from Figures, and I have five highlights for you today. And we'll start with games, and fashion, and NFTs. French fashion house Louis Vuitton, which you might have heard of before, dipped its toes into the world of mobile games earlier this month by releasing Louis the Game, in a move that I find interesting for a few different reasons. The game, which offers the story of the company's origin from the eyes of its mascot, while also offering 30 free NFTs, was downloaded more than a million times in its first two weeks in the App Store. According to our estimates, 85% of those downloads came from China. And the reason behind that is that the game had a very strong launch in China. Louis Vuitton released a WeChat sticker pack, they got a bunch of influencers to talk about it, and they also localized the game into Chinese. So it's localized into English and Chinese, and it made it very easy to share in China because it's normal. The downloads really died off very quickly, but the two interesting insights that I find in this is that Louis Vuitton, a French company, released the game in English and in Chinese. I think that says a lot about where it's looking for new buyers. China's market, which has become much more accessible because of mobile apps, expands the pool that used to only include the U.S. for many, many years. We see it with games, shopping apps, and now fashion, but operating in China isn't really as simple as building for the U.S. and deploying in China. They can't do that. Cultural differences, uh, different laws, regulations, and a whole bunch of other things make it so that you have to build for China. You can't just build once and deploy globally. But the numbers are there, so I definitely expect to see more companies, whether it's games or shopping um, or fashion, build for China in addition to building for everything else. We've seen it with TikTok, and I'm sure we'll see it more. It's an interesting trend to keep an eye on. The other one, and speaking of trends, NFTs. NFTs and digital art are really all the rage these days. They have been for the last year or so. So it's not a surprise to me that brands are trying to ride the wave. But the speed at which this came together is what I find interesting here. If you, if you uh, rewind back just a few years, things used to move so much more slower. More slower. Slowest. Slower. Campaigns took a whole bunch of time to get off the ground and then to get put together and then to roll out internationally. And that didn't happen here. To build a game, and the game itself looks pretty well made, didn't happen overnight. So they've been doing this for a while, for long enough. And NFTs are not that old. They've only been around in animation for, what, about a year plus now that everyone's talking about them? So today it's NFTs. Next month it could be something else. But the key here is that as life slowly moves into the kind of the metaverse, we're doing everything on app these days or everything on our phones, the brands who follow the trends most quickly will be the ones to win. And I expect to see more of this happening in the future. Next up, kind of the opposite of a trend. Earlier this, w- this week, Yik Yak made a comeback after being shut down back in 2017. If you have no idea what Yik Yak is, or if, if you think it's just a play on TikTok, um, it isn't. It's a messaging app where you communicate with people that are in a small radius around you anonymously. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's interesting. It sounds to me a lot more like 2012 than 2021. But in its first 24 hours, the iOS-only app, again, we're looking at apps like Paparazzi and Clubhouse and all those were iOS-only, as is Yik Yak. And Yik Yak quickly rose to the top of the social networking category. A few hours later, it also managed to claim the number two position overall in the U.S. App Store. It's since dropped from both 
now it's sitting at 8th in social networking and 46th overall as of this early uh, Friday morning. We estimate that those first three days of success earned the ICAC about $183,000 in the U.S., and that's the only country it's available right now. So it's only on iOS, and it's only available on in the U.S. App Store. So what prompted the revival? Because the app did exist back in the day and then died completely. It's hard to tell. The app was popular in schools and universities, and the way it works is you have a five-mile radius in which you can talk to anyone around you anonymously, which makes sense for schools and universities because you can get a lot of eyeballs. It died in 2017 mostly because of what it was. It was an app where you can cyberbully whoever you want who's around you, and there was very little moderation, and that's why eventually it it had to shut down. But the rights for it changed hands, and there's a new owner now, and they decided to give it another go while they claim to be focusing on moderation. Interesting? I don't know. It's hard to tell what's going to happen with this, but the way I see it is that I think it's the rise of TikTok that has led to some really interesting attempts at social media, looking at things like Dispo and Paparazzi and, and others that have tried to enter the race, but just couldn't keep the attention. They all had a spike for some reason, at some point, for some purpose, but it really died off. I don't really know what to make of Yik Yak, but if history repeats itself, I think it's more likely that the new Yik Yak is going to follow the old Yik Yak path, and that's to go away. Still interesting, and I'm sure we'll see more attempts now that TikTok kind of made it accessible or made it possible to think I should start a social network. It was, it's not just the Facebook and the Twitters. Whether that's true or false, um, I think it's more false than anything else because TikTok has been growing like crazy and TikTok puts a lot of effort into growing like crazy. It doesn't just happen. But it makes for very interesting apps for me to cover. <laughs> Next up, I have YouTube. So YouTube hasn't dropped out of the top five grossing apps in the US, not even once this year or last year or the year before that, not even once. So they have been in the top five grossing apps for so long it's kind of like they're stuck there somehow. If they were an Apple app, I would say, okay, maybe that's rigged. But they're not Apple apps, so I don't think that's rigged. If we look back to 2018, since 2018, our app intelligence shows that YouTube's net revenue from the U.S. App Store alone grew 7x, a little bit more than 7x, actually, rising from $7.5 million in January of 2018 to more than $57 million of net revenue in July. And again, this is only the U.S. This is only from its iOS app. So the question is how? And I think the answer is it's, it's really easy. YouTube's massive audience and their amazing focus on conversion. If you're using YouTube on your mobile device, I'm sure you've seen that pop-up that comes up just at the right time, just when you're about to need a feature that's available in the pay tier and asks you to get it. And they give you a trial. And it seems like they have a lot of emphasis and a lot of focus on making sure that the pricing is right. The pricing feels to me very fair. Yeah, it comes up at the right time, so it's they're very focused on optimization and optimizing that particular conversion flow, and it's working very well, obviously. Now, why is this important? Um, they're making money, great, but it's not exactly about that. So I talk about video streaming fairly often, and I rarely include YouTube because it doesn't feel like a competitor to Disney Plus or HBO Max or any of the, the other ones that I've talked about over the last year. But if you look at mobile revenue, they, they're both being beat currently by YouTube. Now, YouTube is a lot more than just cat videos at this point. So 
I really expect to see more original content that really goes head-to-head with HBO Max and Disney Plus coming in the somewhat near future. They already have movies on the platform, and I, for some reason, don't see myself watching a movie on YouTube. I don't know why. Or officially watching a, a movie on YouTube. But that can change. There's no reason for that to happen. When they do make that move, I think it's going to be really interesting because it's going to kind of come out of nowhere for HBO Max and Disney+. And then the question is, can they have the same level of exclusives and original content? And if they do, Disney+, and HBO Max, which are currently leading the pack, at least here in the U.S., are going to be in trouble. At number four, we have Hopper. Hopper is a travel company that I mentioned before at least once or twice when talking about travel. And this week it announced that it's raising $175 million. The reason for the raise is that it's claiming its platform is seeing serious growth for a couple of reasons. So we saw that travel is indeed growing a couple of weeks ago. If you remember the episode where I talked about the mobile download index for the travel category, and it was amazing. But I also wanted to look at Hopper's downloads and see just how much growth we're looking at that would merit this raise and that claim for the raise. So our estimates show that Hopper ended July with more than a million new downloads, which is the highest monthly haul in its history. The number is even higher than Hopper's pre-pandemic rally, where it's made its way into just about 752,000 new devices, and that was February of 2020. Now, the success Hopper is seeing is a great signal for the travel industry, which lost a lot of downloads in 2020, and those downloads are not just coming back, but I think they're coming back stronger in 2021 and probably even 2022 as we get out of this Delta and Lambda and all those other variants, and and hopefully we'll get out of this by 2022. But it also shows an interesting trend, which is why Hopper is the top booking app right now ahead of incumbents like Booking.com and Expedia. And the trend is flexibility, something that I wouldn't normally associate with travel pre-pandemic. Hopper touts smart tech, which really translates to AI and algorithms and all those other words that everyone likes to throw around these days. But the idea is that it can help you find cheaper travel because it has all these algorithms, while at the same time allowing you for cancellations and rescheduling and rebooking completely for free. And that's obviously a game changer because if you booked a flight in the last few years pre-pandemic, you know that all these things cost money. Basically, to change anything without some sort of insurance costs money. To add a thing costs money. To change your date costs money. It doesn't even matter if you have a reason or not. That's just how it used to be. And with most other companies, that's how it still is. But the industry is really small margin. And it was hit very, very, very hard. So something like Hopper makes a lot of sense. This algorithmic approach makes a lot of sense for people who are trying to travel because they don't exactly know what's going to happen. They don't know if they will need to schedule, reschedule, change your plans last minute, and Hopper makes that possible, and they claim that tech is helping that become possible. It's not just they're taking a loss. I think airlines are not going to love it because ultimately if they, they used to be the ones using algorithms to figure out the right price for the right, for the right ticket or the right price that maximizes the price of a ticket, and maybe with Hopper's algorithms it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but They've been hit so hard that I think they'll take it at this point. Anyone who travels is a positive, if you think about it from a bottom line perspective. But what it means for the competitors, Booking.com and Expedia and the other ones that exist in the field, means that if they stay firm and they don't have those cancellation policies that give you cancellations for free or rescheduling for free, 
it's going to be very hard for them to attract new downloads and to attract new users in general. So I totally see them changing to a model where even if they don't have the technology to support it and they actually have to take it a loss, they will start to offer these sort of flexible ways of handling travel. I know some of them have, and it definitely comes at a loss, but that's what they're going to have to do to keep their users. And that's kind of a big shift, big, big shift. And I don't think that's going to get undone once we're out of COVID because ultimately life has been changed. The way we do what we do has been changed. There's more work from home. There's probably going to be less business travel in the future because we can use tools like Zoom and uh, things like that to do that. And we are a little bit more trained to do that or more accepting of that in general. So as that happens, travel will have to get more flexible. And we're starting to see that now. And last but not least, at number five, we have TikTok. Social media is slowly becoming about all about creator monetization. I talked about it a whole bunch of times when we looked at Clubhouse and when we looked at Twitch. And we can see that when we look at all of those, Twitch's revenue has been growing because there are more people on Twitch and more people paying attention to, to Twitch and more people who want to make money. And so you add all those together and you can see how important it is. And Twitch's success in, in a way has to do with how it helps its creators monetize. TikTok has been doing it as well. And we can see new tools that Twitter is testing for monetization. And we hear about it with Clubhouse and with a whole bunch of other companies. So I looked at TikTok's revenue. And because I was looking already at uh, Louis Vuitton's game in China, I already had all my, all my parameters set for that. And when I selected TikTok, I saw something interesting. Its revenue, monthly revenue in the Chinese app store hit a whole new all-time high. They made $26 million of net revenue, according to estimates, in the last month. That's July. And that's in China, only in China's app store. Now, all that money goes, all that in-app revenue goes to creators for the most part because end users buy coins and they use coins to reward those creators. So that money is a, this number is a proxy for how much money creators are making using TikTok in China. And I looked at it a little bit more back. So by the end of 2019, TikTok was making $53 million a year. And this is all net revenue from China's app store. So only the iOS version. That jumped to $211 million in 2020. And we looked at the numbers for up until now in 2021. And if you run some estimations, very basic estimations, I think TikTok is going to end the year with more than $275 million in net revenue in China, in the app store alone. And that's huge growth. So I think that's going to be a driver for pretty much every social media channel in existence, be it um, really anything, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, any of those to now be forced to enter this creator monetization uh, sort of battle. And the ones that will do it best are the ones that are going to have as many creators and more creators means more content and more content means more viewers. And since we're talking about video, YouTube comes in, comes to mind pretty much the same way. So YouTube can try and do that. And they have tried to duplicate the idea behind TikTok, but, and it does work. I looked at a few of those. It's definitely not as big. But if you remember, we talked about before, what we talked about before was YouTube getting into exclusive content. If on the one hand, they're getting creators moving to TikTok, they're going to have to make that up somewhere else. They can also continue to battle TikTok for creators. And that's going to happen because they both have infinite resources or what it feels like. But at the same time, why just focus on one thing? And so I think that's going to expand a little bit. 
And that's why I think that YouTube is going into original content just as well. All those thoughts together make up this week's this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoy this. And so on this happy note, I'll say happy Friday. If you want any of this information for yourself, for your competitors, or to help make your business run better, head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence to get it for yourself. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a rating and tell your friends. See you next week.